Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I want to start this morning with a story about coffee. Start with important things this morning. In 2015, uh, the uh, worldwide coffee shop uh, called Starbucks, you may have heard of them before, uh, decided to not only sell coffee, but to try to save uh, the world from race problems, prejudice and uh, race relations. And so uh, in March of 2015, they, uh, they launched uh, this incredible enterprise of trying to uh, solve the world's race, racial issues by getting all of their employees, a little over 12,000 employees that work for Starbucks, to start conversations with customers coming into their store about race. They thought this was a good idea. They would say, welcome to our shop, and then, if possible, start a conversation about race. And then they would, as they, if the customer continued to order coffee, they would order the coffee, and then on the cup, they would write hashtag race together with a Sharpie on on the cup just to make the point and hand the coffee over to the the client. Uh, This... uh, strategy of Starbucks is still in play today. No, it's not. They scrapped this quickly. Uh, They never publicized the reasons why they scrapped this drive, uh, but we have a few guesses of to why, because the obvious one, number one, is that uh, having conversations about race, uh, even with your family, is difficult, much less strangers. So having conversations about a very tricky issue about race relations is super complicated when you're talking to someone you don't even know. But I think the most glaring reason why uh, this was not successful is is that if you you like coffee, if you're a coffee addict, the last thing you want to do before you have your coffee is to have a conversation. (laughs) No conversations, please, just coffee. And people who make and sell coffee should know better, right? That people are not nice. Coffee addicts are not nice before they've had coffee. We can talk all day long. Just give me my coffee first, and then we'll talk. Starbucks forgot for just a moment that their main product was coffee, not conversations. Coffee first, then conversations. I would imagine that there have been incredible moving conversations while people are drinking coffee, even possibly about how to get along with other races. Starbucks should have understood that possibly the problem that would solve most people's problems, uh, the, the, the solution to solve most people's problems would just be selling a cup of coffee. Here, take coffee, go about your day. That's all they need to do. And that's why they've been so popular is because most people think their coffee is amazing. Some people keep buying it. Not everyone. I realized this morning not all of you are coffee addicts like I am. But uh, I like coffee. I love coffee. Now, as much as I love coffee, I realize that it's not the secret to my life. It really isn't. Uh, coffee's good, but it, it's not really the secret to life. I've heard people say coffee is life. I'm sure it's helpful, great, but truly... 
we would hopefully all agree in this room this morning that the secret to life is relationship with Jesus. I hope we would agree with that. Uh, that's really the secret. And just as coffee uh, to Starbucks, Starbucks does coffee, the body of Christ, the greatest, greatest, greatest thing, the greatest product, their greatest direction that they point people to is Jesus. We, we as the church revolve around this one central figure, Jesus himself. That's why we're here this morning. It all is about him. Now, you've probably heard people stand before you in churches, if you've attended other churches, and say, it's all about dot, 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 and they'll fill in the blank. It's all about, but truly, as the body of Christ, it's all about Jesus. Truly all about him. 1 John 5. These are the words of the Apostle John. Later in life, he writes this. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is what God testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in what? His Son. And then, if we don't understand that, he makes it clear. Whoever has the Son has what? Life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Jesus first, then conversations. Right? What's the highest priority? What's our reason for existence? Is so that we would have a relationship with Him. The key to life, the secret to life, is relationship with Jesus. But we are distracted often by other things. And we try to satisfy and inoculate ourselves, sometimes even with coffee. <laughs> Whether it's addictions or whatever else it is, but ultimately, the secret to life is Christ and Christ alone. We sometimes believe that possibly if we can just attend church enough. Maybe if I can just get to church at least once a week, that's going to give me life. And truly, church attendance is fantastic. Nothing wrong with going to church. Matter of fact, it's biblical. But the purpose of church is to point us to relationship with Jesus Christ. The purpose of anything we do ultimately revolves around knowing Him. Paul said it this way. Paul in Philippians 3 verse 8 says this. What is more, this is what he says. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost everything. Everything, he said. And I love to say this like someone from London would say this. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. We'll have coffee later. Um, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. No other goal. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, let me read this for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It doesn't say, therefore, if anyone is in coffee, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The evangelism truly is a ministry of getting people into right relationship with God. Reconciliation. In other words, the relationship was broken. That was the problem. And now we're being invited in to renew and restore our relationship with Him. Our goal, the church's coffee 
is Jesus. Jesus, central to everything. Knowing him is the ultimate goal because he is our greatest need. Christian counselor Larry Crabb in his book, Inside Out, great book, I highly recommend it. Larry Crabb died actually in 2021. It was a very sad loss for the Christian counseling community. He wrote many, many books. Uh, one of my favorite, one of his first ones he ever wrote was called Inside Out. And he uh, helps explain the incredible need that we have for Christ and for Christ alone. He describes the need for Jesus as our crucial need. It's that need that we cannot live without. Crucial. It's think of the basic and most profound longings of the human heart. Those desires that must be met so that life is worth living. We call those crucial longings. In other words, you can't live without this. And ultimately, that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot survive. We cannot exist. When everything else fails, nothing is more important than our relationship with Christ. When everything is going well, still, our greatest need is Christ. There's no greater need. He compares this to two other needs he calls critical and casual. Uh, we have critical needs. All of us do. For example, the desire to be loved and respected by maybe our spouse or our friends. We have uh, critical needs of relationship. Uh, certainly, relationships with other people is, is extremely important. And we were designed to be in relationship and community with others. That's how God made us. And although relationships with others, with each other, is critical, it's not crucial as our relationship with Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's the starting point is relationship with Christ. He also explains this other word with C's. Uh, the word casual. Since we have all these other needs as well, third category of casual longings, including other desires that we're experiencing, ranging from the trivial, like uh, where is the salt for my, my, my eggs and bacon at a, at a breakfast joint, to the significant. I want to hear a good report from my doctor. We have needs, uh, but uh, these would be, in comparison to our need for Jesus Christ, these would be casual needs, right? Not as significant, not as important. We can live without salt, right? We can live without bacon, although difficult. We can live without coffee, casual needs. We can even live without, uh, uh, to a certain extent, without others in our life. But we cannot live without Christ in that relationship. That is our crucial, most important need. And because our greatest need is to know Christ, then our greatest priority is to love him with our full capacity. Our greatest need then directs our greatest uh, action our, and, and what follows that. That's why, that's why Jesus made it very clear that the greatest commandment, the first and foremost, the priority of life is to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Look at this passage here in Mark 12, verse 28 and following. A teacher of the religious law came and asked Jesus, please tell me what is the... What's the most important of all the commandments? Which one is the most important? Mark 12, verse 28 and following. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Which is the one? Which is the most important commandment? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only, is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. 
And he goes on to say, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You can list up all the commandments. And we know them, right? Don't steal. Honor your parents. There's just tons of directives all through Scripture. The one that is at the top of the heap, the most important commandment is love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Because our greatest need is to know Him. And therefore, we must, with all of our capacity, love Him. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind strength. There's some debate as to what all Jesus was saying in his reference here to these words, heart, soul, mind, strength. Is there anything else? Is there really anything else that we can love him with? No. He's covered it all. Every single base is covered here. The heart, the seat of our soul, the seat of thoughts, the seat of our passions, the seat of our appetites, the seat of our affections, our purposes, our endeavors. Be tracking with all these English words good, but the seat, the, the, our affections, our passion, our soul is that, that spirit uh, that uh, Jesus is referring to uh, that is connected to this body that we live in, this soul that will live on forever, our spirit. Love him with that spirit, the one who makes decisions, the one who's connected to this body, the one who will linger on once our body is destroyed. Love him with your spirit, your soul. Love him with your mind, your mind, all of your, all of your academia, all of your brain. Love him with it. Love God with this, with all of your imaginations, with all of your creativity, with all of your understanding. Love God with all of our strength. That's with our physical body. Everything that we do with this body, may it be a testament to our love of God. This body that will be destroyed someday, that will, will die, while it's living, direct all of the energy of this body to Him and love for Him. There is no greater purpose than that, to love God with all of our mind, our soul, our strength, our heart, all of our passions, all of our imaginations, everything we do must be for Him. What Jesus is saying here is that you must be all in. Your love for me must be all in. We know those relationships, dating relationships. Maybe you've experienced one of those dating relationships with somebody. You're getting serious. You're enjoying each other. And then all of a sudden, one of them, one of you starts thinking, you know what, I think maybe I want to do this the rest of my life with this person. You get married, right? You may pop the question, ask the question, you know, I think I could marry you. And very often, that's the make or break in the relationship, right? Because the other person is thinking, ah, I'm not quite there. I thought you said you loved me. Yes. So you don't love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Wow, you put it that way. Jesus is saying, love me completely, all in, all in. When, when he was walking on the earth, Jesus had a lot of people who talked about following him, 
but never did follow through completely. Luke 9, I, I love this. He says, uh, Jesus said to a person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. How did Jesus respond? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, you should take care of the dead. Please, uh, take some time off, go bury. No, nope. what did he say? Jesus told them, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And another one, he said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told them, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You realize what Jesus is asking for us, right? Do we understand what it means all? All of our strength, all of our mind, everything? It means that Jesus truly is the priority over everything else. Love God with all the heart. All in. All in. I, I enjoy watching YouTube videos of people who do stupid things. Uh, one of those, uh, it, it, and they would not consider it stupid, one of those is jumping out of a either helicopter, jumping off a mountain in a wingsuit. Have you ever seen this? These guys that jump off and they plummet looks like they're about to die and then all of a sudden they you know they, they spread their wings out and wind catches them and they they, they go precariously over the tops of trees and rocks and uh, eventually they pull their parachute and hopefully they survive uh, and they land safely but I can tell you right now when they jump out of that plane they are all in all right there's no turning back there's no turning back and I've been told by people who do this that once they jump, it's everything in their body, their mind, everything is focused on staying alive <laughs> as they're whipping through whatever they're whipping through. They're just barely making it because, but everything is focused on let's stay alive so we can land. Everything. everything. I don't think you should jump out of planes with wingsuits unless you're qualified, but <clears throat> at the same time, I do believe you should consider the possibility of what it would mean to be all in for Christ. What does it mean to jump off the mountain for Christ? What does it mean to jump out of a plane for Him? What would that look like for you? What would that look like for me? I believe that's the, what he's describing here is love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Everything, guys true indication that we are disciples, however, if we've done this, the evidence of this is in how we love each other. How we love each other. Look at John 13, verse 34. And you commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So whereas the key to life is Jesus, the work of life is is what? Loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, all of our strength. The proof of life is in how we love each other. If you're truly loving God with all your heart, this will be evidenced by how we love each other. The fact of the matter is, is that we are known to be Jesus' followers based of, off of how we love each other. A church that doesn't love each other, people that don't love each other, never are connected with Jesus. The proof 
of this close relationship we have with Jesus Christ is how we love each other, which is the other commandment, right? It is love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second is just the same, love each other with, with this complete strength. So when we process our life and every decision that we make, we need to process it through the lens of do I love God and do I love each other? This decision I'm about to make doesn't reflect my love for God, doesn't reflect my love for others. This job I want, if I take this job, am I loving God with all my heart? Am I loving others with all my heart? Or will this job hurt my relationship with God? Or will this job hurt my relationship with others? And if so, I mustn't take it, even though it pays a lot. It's not the job for me because it compromises my love for God, my love for people, the way I speak to others. I can justify so much harshness and rudeness if my love is money or my love is my time and my agenda. But if my motivation is loving Jesus and loving others, then my rough, harsh anger, anger, my, my angry speech is no longer justified because I'm motivated by my love for Christ. My greatest need is Jesus. My greatest command is to love him. Proof of my relationship with Christ, if it's good, is going to be that I love others effectively. So essentially the process is like this. The goal of life is what? To know him, right? To know Jesus Christ. That everything else is rubbish compared to knowing him, right? There's nothing more great than that. And so the work of life is, and the command of Christ is to love God with all of our passions, with all of our mind, with, with all of our physical strength. We love God. And the proof of that is how we love each other. You know, what's interesting. We, we often try to solve our greatest problem with good things, right? Our greatest problem is that we are absent from Christ. We don't know Jesus. Our greatest solution, of course, then would be Jesus. We try to solve our greatest problem with good things but often not the best thing. Sometimes we just drink coffee without Jesus. That's a mistake, people, if you're a coffee addict. Addictive behavior very often just numbs out our need. And we're masters at this, the human race. We figure out ways to satisfy this deep core need that we have for Jesus. We satisfy it with a million other types of behaviors. All of our addictive behaviors outside of Christ are just numbing the problem. And, and granted, a lot of addictive behaviors are meaningful for a time, right? Or else you wouldn't do it. If sin did not have some at least temporary buzz in your life or some thrill, you probably wouldn't do it. What it does, it just numbs, it numbs out, it numbs out your real issue and your real problem. It keeps you from actually distracting you from your greatest need, which is Christ and Christ alone. Uh, we were recently in a rental car and uh, we had a blowout at about 1130 at night. And so I pulled over uh, into uh, a parking lot, of, actually of a bar at midnight in Texas, uh, not the safest thing to do. Uh, fortunately, uh, most people who were in the bar were drunk enough they couldn't do anything to us anyway. So um, we... We changed uh, the tire 
uh, took the, the, ultra, the blowout off and, and put on. Uh, we looked inside the trunk of these cars, and what, what was there? A, a, a brand new, nice, replaceable tire? No. Uh, a donut. Have you seen these? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I can't tell you the, the sadness in my heart when I lifted up the bag. And went, oh, oh, it's a donut. It's a donut. So I, I took it out the back and attached it. They're ugly and, you know, they have speed limit restrictions. There's just everything but a tire, all right? They're almost a tire, but not quite. So I bolted it on. We got home, and then the next day I took the car. I drove about 30 minutes to the airport to drop this car off as rental. And the whole time I was just praying, please, please keep this tire together because the donut is not the real tire. It's not the real thing. It's a patch, right? It's like duct tape. It, it, it kind of numbs the problem, gets you to where you can get real help, but it's not the real solution. I, I believe addictive behavior really is it's just like putting on donuts. I mean, it's just you're putting on uh, not what you need to. Have you seen around here in Ventook a lot of cars driving around? They're kind of leaning over with that donut. Have you seen them? I often, whenever I see those, I, I feel like I want to make an appointment with the manufacturers of cars and say, what were you thinking? All right, just a little bit more money, a little more space in your car. Put a real tire in the back of the car. The same with coffee. When I buy coffee, I just want the coffee. I don't want conversations. And I'm actually paid to be nice to people. But I still just want the coffee. Good works. Good works. We numb ourselves with good works. We fill up our life with everything good except for Jesus very often. This is our mistake. Now make no mistake, doing good works is a good thing. It's actually biblical. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago, right? He has good works planned for us. But ultimately, it is not the secret to life. Out of our relationship with Christ, then we do good works. Um, I have a Toyota Fortuner. It's a 2013 model. And uh, the other day, I was I turned the car on, turned the lights on. I was standing behind my car talking to JP, who's not here with us. He's, he's traveled. Uh, but you know JP, who does our, our media back there? Dave, thank you for doing that today for us. Uh, but JP and I were sitting in the back talking about everything and nothing, and he said, hey, by the way, your tail light's out. And uh, I looked to the back of the car and said, yeah, right. Uh, so when I turn my headlights on, they're supposed to, two red lights are supposed to come out of the back. That's what cars are designed, by the way, if you don't know that. Uh, my right tail light was out. So I looked at it, and I, I hit it just for kicks. I went, I beat it with my hand, and guess what? It came back on. It came so fixed, done. Thank you, JP, for pointing this out. Um, I've been uh, hitting my tail light now for about three weeks uh, every time I turn my car on. And uh, I'm trying to decide how long I'm going to do that, you know, before I actually fix it. Now, because it came on when I hit it, I realized there's probably a wire that's been disconnected that when you tap it, it connects again, or the bulb is loose. But uh, fixing it is not hitting my light every time I turn my car on, right? At some point, I'm going to have to go to a deeper level. I'm going to have to peel out the back of my, anyway, it's going to be a process, but at some point, I might be motivated enough to actually fix my tail light. In the meantime, I'm enjoying 
hitting my tail light. So what do I do? What do I do? Do I keep doing good works as a, as a non-follower of Jesus Christ just to get that feeling, uh, just to get that good experience? Or do I, do I do the work of actually saying, okay, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to know you. Do I do that work? Or do I just keep doing good works? Nothing wrong with good works. Ultimately, our greatest need is Jesus. How about religion, regular church attendance? Awesome, uh, because it usually makes you feel good. If you're here this morning, uh, I'm not sure what your motives are for being here this morning, but most people who come to church enjoy it, uh, or else they wouldn't be here, right? Uh, I've, I had someone who used to go to our church years ago. He's, he's long since passed away, but he used to come to this church, and he would come, and he would sit down, and as soon as I started to speak, he would fall asleep. And afterwards, he came to me. One day, he realized that I saw him sleeping. And he said, listen, I hope you don't, hope you don't mind me sleeping. He says, but whenever you start speaking, I just feel this peace. And it's one of the first times in the whole week that I can rest. And so that's why I sleep. I told him, I said, that is the most incredible reason for sleeping through a sermon that I've ever heard in my entire life. Thank you for sharing that. But... He points out a really good point that often when we come to church, we feel something, we experience something in the gathering of believers in the church that, that very often we can't explain. There's this peace, there's this joy that sometimes we experience in the presence of other believers in the church. Uh, we had a young man who came to YWAP for years and years, and when he first started coming, he would say, you know, when I come here, I don't feel good, but if I'm here for a while, I start feeling good. And it started bugging him because he didn't know what it was. Why do I feel so good when I come here? I said, well, you feel so good because you're sitting around people who know Jesus. And the Spirit of God is here. And that's, that's the peace you're feeling. Who is just Jesus, he asked me. That was his next question. I shared Christ with him. He gave his life to Christ. And he's been growing in his faith now for years. He loves Jesus. That is his main thing now. He realizes that's the source of life is Jesus Christ. Church is great, but this church must point people to Jesus Christ. The source of life is Him. Nothing wrong with going to church either, right? Uh, the Bible actually is biblical. Hebrews 10, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, right? As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Yeah, we are invited to go to church. Church is important, significant, but not as significant as our relationship. We come together here to celebrate that relationship with him, to praise him, to lift him up, to highlight, to glorify God who gives us life. And therefore, we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. I want to show you the last part of the story here where this re religious uh, leader came and spoke uh, to Jesus about what's the greatest commandment. This was the follow-up story here. Look at verse 32. The teacher of religious law replied, well, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. So after Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor. This is what this religious leader said. Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart, and with all my understanding, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as your, myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And Jesus, realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, 
you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, we're told, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I love this response because I think the response of this leader to Jesus is very often how we respond to Jesus to the greatest command. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The greatest commandment. I think most of us here in this room would say, yeah. Uh, that's true. When all comes down to it, it's how we love God and how we love each other, right? We'd all agree with that. Well said. Well said, teacher. There's no indication in Scripture that this guy ever started following Jesus. <laughs> we don't see any follow-up story on this religious leader. All we know is that he agreed that it was a good idea to love God. Matter of fact, instead of saying it's the greatest commandment, what did he say here? I agree that it's important <laughs> to love God and to love each other. All of us, just like this teacher, have, a, have then an opportunity to, to, make a, to make a choice, to decide, am I really all in or not? Am I going to jump off a mountain? Am I going to jump off the plane? Am I, am I going to take this seriously? Or am I just going to discuss the beauty and the truth of it all? Well said, teacher. <laughs> you just hear it. It's like, you know what, you're, you're pretty smart. You're on to something there, Jesus. Wow, that's incredible. You're brilliant. You're wise. Jesus said, you're not far kingdom of God. If you agree this morning, if we agree that the greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with our mind, with all our strength, we have choices, right? You just agree with it. Well said. Well said. Mm, that's true. Amen. But if you really want to fix your problems, then you're going to have to you're going to have to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Because your greatest problem is that you don't know Jesus. That's our greatest problem. Mankind's greatest problem is not knowing Jesus Christ. The greatest solution to our problem is Christ. A relationship with Him. Therefore, we need to love Him with everything. 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 Aren't you tired of doing everything? But what will fix your problem? How long are we willing to numb ourselves with all kinds of other things except Jesus? If you're delaying deciding to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, why are you going to delay anymore? Why would you delay? Your problem will only be fixed with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every other problem is secondary. I would be willing to bet you that, I'm not going to bet you, I'm going to this is a fact, that if you get your relationship with Christ right, these other issues in your life that you consider to be priority problems will be resolved. Jesus Christ needs to be your first. Please, no conversations, just Jesus. I just want Jesus. That's all talking about anything else just give me Jesus just give me Jesus let's pray together Lord Jesus I praise you God I thank you that you are the solution you're our greatest need 
Lord, how we love you. We praise you, God. Lord, thank you, God, that uh, you truly love us. And Lord, you have made a plan for us. Lord, you have, you have died and risen again so that we can have life in you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you invite us even today to enter into that relationship. Pray for anyone here this morning who does not know you, Father, that they will not delay one more second, one more minute, one more month or year, Lord, that they would just say yes to you and place their faith in you this morning. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.